Hi, my name is Martha. The Old Testament reading is found in Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. The Lord proclaims, when Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. I know the plans that I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call me, come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have scattered you, and I will bring you home after your long exile, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Colleen. The New Testament reading is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Pam. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in Matthew 2, verses 9 through 12. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Be to our Lord Christ. Let's remain standing as we pray. Father, we ask that as we uh, open the, uh, the, your word, that you would speak to us, that you, you would help us to hear what you're calling each of us to hear today in Christ's name. Amen. The white linens on the stage are meant to sort of cue to us that the season has changed. We've moved on from Advent and Christmas and this Sunday is called Epiphany Sunday. And, you know, we use the word epiphany occasionally as like, oh, I had an epiphany. I was enlightened. I saw something. And that's kind of what this day is about. It's about the wise men or the magi seeing a star and then seeing Jesus and recognizing him for who he was. And so I want us to look a bit closely at the text today and identify three words that I think the Lord is saying to us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know too much about who these guys are. Some people have said, well, maybe they're, they're from Babylon or Persia. Could be that they were people who studied the stars. Someone else says, well, maybe they're Zoroastrian priests. We don't really know. But what we do know is they're outside the boundaries of sort of Israel thinking. 
They're outside the realm of who the typical people of God would have been. And so this is, in a way, a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies that Gentiles will come into the kingdom. Gentiles will be able to come and worship. And so these wise men from the east come to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. The first word I want us to reflect on this morning is the word seek. The Magi were seeking. They saw something and it provoked a quest or a journey. And I wonder for for us today, if you ever allow the Lord to interrupt you, if you ever allow the Lord to redirect you, is there ever anything that happens that actually arrests your attention and redirects you? And and sometimes it could be the, the, the thing that we weren't hoping for. But could it be that even in the things that we think are distractions or interruptions, that it might just be the Lord saying, hey, stay engaged here. Stay tuned in. Don't live this life on autopilot. Be willing to seek. And then I think about for some of, some of you or maybe some friends that you might have, family members that you might know, who don't yet know Jesus. And the question is, are you ever willing to allow the strange things that occur, unexpected things to stop you and to say, could there be more here? Is there something I'm missing? How many times do people close off the possibility of seeking the Lord or seeking Jesus? Because we'd rather have sort of all of our rational explanations for everything. Well, I, I, I'm into this, I get this. I, 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 the, the world is a closed dome for all I, I know, and I, I just don't need to worry about this or that. And even a beautiful sunset or some kind of moment, a miraculous moment like the birth of a child, it, those are the moments where we could just look up and begin a quest. But so often we say, ah, I'm not interested in that. And you know why I think sometimes we don't even want to seek, whether you know Jesus or whether you don't, it could be that we don't actually want to lose our control. You know, there's a person in the story that Matthew names for us, King Herod. Someone who knew the story, the signs, saw the star, called in some teachers, had them explain it to him. Herod knew what this was about, and yet Herod did not respond to the signs with a heart that began to seek. Herod was threatened. There's a whole grisly backstory of Herod's family lineage. His dad was kind of a conniving politician and arranged for Herod to become governor of Galilee when, when Herod was only 25 years old. And Herod was scheming when, when, when Julius Caesar was, was killed, was murdered, Herod kind of aligned himself with Cassius and Brutus and he thought, this is going to be the winning team. But then they lost to Octavian. And so Herod goes to Octavian and says, okay, never mind these guys. You see how loyal I was to them? That's what I can be for you. I mean, this guy was like schemer. And then the, he, he gains favor with Rome because of the way he was so good at oppressing revolts and extracting taxes, two things Rome really valued. And they make him kind of king of Judea. And then he plays his hand a bit more and he gets called the king of the Jews. Herod has scratched and clawed for this throne. He wasn't about to give it up now. Isn't that a bit like us sometimes? What keeps us from seeking? We're afraid of what we'll find. We're afraid of what we'll find. 
I don't know, I don't know if I want to find out if Jesus really is the way because I kind of like living my life the way it is. Thank you very much. I kind of like being a casual person who sort of comes to church every once in a while and I'll do the nice little cutesy Christian thing and that's, that's okay, but I want to keep my options open. What if this is also true? What if this is also true? Because if everything may be true, then nothing really makes a claim on me. And maybe behind the effort to keep Jesus at bay and to to postpone the question of, is Jesus ultimately the only way? Maybe part of the reason why people keep postponing that question or ignoring that question is because, it's not because of humility. Well, I'm so humble that I I don't want to say that other religions may be false. It, It may not be humility. It may actually be arrogance. The desire to say, well, if I keep Jesus with a question mark, then I can stay in control of my own life then I can call the shots about what I do with my business and my money and my, and my personal life and my relationships and who I, what I do on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or Fridays. I, I can do it because I'm not really interested in seeking. But you see, seeking puts you on a quest. The scripture in Jeremiah 29, if you just start with me in verse 13, God is saying to his people, he says, when you search for me, yes, when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Start on this quest of seeking, you will find me. And then he says, when you find me, he says, look, at that moment, verse 14, I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've scattered you, and I'll bring you home. See, seeking will actually lead to the end of your wandering. And this is what happens in the story. Look at Matthew 2, verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. The second word to reflect on from this text is the word worship. Worship. You see, often we may become open to the idea of seeking, but we don't understand that seeking is not an end in itself. Our seeking is meant to lead us to worship. In our day today, it's very popular to describe yourself as a wanderer, As a seeker, I'm just a seeker of spiritual things. I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just a wanderer. Sometimes people describe themselves that way because what they've experienced is actually quite painful. And they find themselves in a religious or spiritual exile because their own faith traditions or maybe their own churches fell apart. And there was betrayal and and, and hypocrisy and all kinds of things that made them say, you know what, I don't know about any of this. And so you become kind of a, an exile because your house was burned down, so to speak. I get that. I get that because we walked through something like that at New Life 12 years ago. A little more now. I understand that. But I want you to know that the end of seeking is finding. And the end of wandering is worship. And the end of exile is presence, and the end of the quest 
is Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself. And so we don't remember the Magi in Christian tradition because these are the patron saints of wanderers. Oh, I love the Magi. They're such great spiritual wanderers. We honor the Magi because they were worshipers. They opened up their treasures and said, here's gold, here's frankincense, here's myrrh. We even went so far as to assume that there was three of them because there's three gifts. The part of the story that sticks is the part about their worship, not about their wandering. And I, and I can't say enough, say it strongly enough, as some of you, it's time for your wandering to end. It's time for your quest to terminate in Jesus. It's time for your seeking to actually come into focus and to say, I found him. It's Jesus. And let your heart move from seeking to worshiping. You know, to always seek and never find is like saying you're starving but never eating. It's like in our household at dinner time, you know, Holly or me or whoever, we've made this dinner and the kids are like, I'm so hungry, I'm starving. We're like, great, here's the dinner. And then they see what it is and they're like, I don't want that. <laughs> like, what? Why are we having chicken strips that's really made with flax seeds and chia seeds and, you know, like, <laughs> that's a thing. We did that last week. It was really good. The kid's are like, I'm so hungry, but oh, I don't want that. That's a bit of a parable about our age, isn't it? I'm so starving for spiritual things and transcendence. And then someone says, behold Jesus. And they're like, oh, well, I, I don't want that. Let your seeking turn to worship. And then as the story goes on, in verse 12, Matthew tells us, he says, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. It doesn't specifically say the word obedience, but that is what the wise men do. They obey. And so that's the third word to reflect on. The Magi move from seeking to worshiping to actually obeying. Think about this. They were sent on their orders. They were kind of confirmed on their quest by a king. But somebody trumped those orders. Somebody pulled rank and said, no, 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 forget about King Herod. God is speaking to you. Go this way now. See, in the Old Testament, the word for a worshiper and the word for a servant of Yahweh are kind of cognate words. They're, they're overlapping terms. We can't think of being a worshiper without, without also thinking of being an obedient follower of God. But, you know, it's 2019. We know what worship is. Worship is that cool music that make, gives me warm and fuzzy feelings. Listen, I believe 100% that the Holy Spirit helps us to experience the presence of God. It's sort of how we experience the presence of God. I believe that it can cause all kinds of sensations and there's a powerful, dramatic experience. But can I say to you, the goal is not the experience. The goal is the transformation that occurs. That every time we worship together, this isn't about a therapeutic experience. It's supposed to be a transformational encounter. We're supposed to come face to face with Jesus as we're saying how worthy he is, as we're glorifying him. He's supposed to say, yes, yes, yes. And this is what I have for you. And this is how you should now live. And this is how you should go. So that the, just like the Magi, we don't leave the same way we came. They went away a different way. 
And that's a picture to us of how worship's supposed to work. You don't leave the same way you came. It's supposed to be transformation. We're supposed to live a life of obedience. In Matthew's gospel, obedience actually takes on a very strong emphasis. Matthew opens his gospel with the story about who's really king. Is it Herod or is it Jesus? Who's the real king? And then you go on, you read the next few chapters, the stories about Jesus having authority over sickness and authority over demons and authority to call disciples to follow him. And there's this theme of authority that shows up again and again. Matthew puts together the longest compilation of Jesus' teachings, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the end of the Sermon on the Mount is a story that Jesus tells about two people One's wise and one's foolish. And what is the wise person like? He builds his house on the rock. And Jesus says, the one who hears my words and obeys is like the wise person who builds his house on the rock. In other words, the, the, the culminating moment to the end of Jesus' teaching is not, wasn't that good, y'all? The culminating moment was not, oh, that, was, that just makes me feel so warm and fun. The culminating moment of Jesus' teaching is now go and obey this so that you can last the storms of life. And then the end of Matthew's gospel has Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, standing up and saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. Isn't that interesting? It's the only version of the Great Commission that says, that that emphasizes obedience. Because that's Matthew's point. If Jesus is the real king with the actual authority, then part of our worshipful, loving response is obedience. We don't leave the same way we came. Uh, We want to invite you to start your year this way. To begin by seeking and worshiping and obeying the Lord. And so 21 days of prayer is, uh, is something that will begin tomorrow. And on your way out today, there are these booklets that, that one of our pastors has prepared for you. It's, it's completely free. And each day has a little one-page guide, some scriptures, some prayer points, uh, the Lord's Prayer, a prayer for the week. And it'll take you through each day for these 21 days. It, it, if you would enjoy praying along with us at New Life Church, grab one of these. It's free. But I also want to tell you that every day there'll be prayer gatherings actually at noon, not 1230, but, but noon itself, 12 to 1, at the World Prayer Center, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. And so some of you that can do that, you can get away during your lunch hour. Maybe you'll fast lunch and say, you know what, instead of eating this week, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to wait for his instructions so that I can obey him. You, you, you may want to mark that on your calendar. And if you can't make the noon gatherings, come on Wednesday night for a time of worship and prayer where we seek the Lord, we worship the Lord, and we leave from there obeying the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit so that we can obey the Lord. Amen? Our charge into the year is not about our self-effort or our goals or our strength. Our charge into the year is actually beginning by falling down. Falling down like the wise men did and worshiping. And we understand that the truly wise person moves from seeking to worshiping and obeying. And only the fool keeps on wandering forever. And so maybe 2019 can be a, a moment, this can be a moment where you orient your heart and your life and you say, okay, God, 
let me begin by falling down and worshiping, offering you my life as a living sacrifice, my spiritual act of worship, so that you fill me with your spirit and empower me by your grace so that I can move into a life of following you, of obeying you. The goal for all of this is to move from just a seeker to a follower. Thank you for joining us today at New Life Downtown. You can return to our website at newlifechurch.org downtown to find out more about the church and how you can get connected. You can email us with any questions that you have. We look forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Feel free to follow us on social media as well. We're ready to welcome you into the family of God at New Life Downtown.